You're very welcome to another episode of the Swinford Chats podcast with myself, Tommy Stenson. And myself, Carl Kelly. In association with the Gateway Hotel here in Swinford. Good, good. I can't complain. Another week and uh, we're finally back. We had a little bit of a break, but we're we're ready and back again to go. Yeah, great to be back, Tommy. You know, uh, whether we're hitting the middle of February, uh, the longest weeks are behind us. The evening's getting longer, you know, and uh, the, the Swim for Chats podcast is back. I know we made a brief comeback there in November just to chat to the Butterfly Garden Girls about their tree. Mm. And uh, now we're back with the, with the whole year ahead of us. So it's it's great. How are you keeping yourself? Good. And uh, you're 19 years, Cahal, in business this year. I've I seen that recently. That's right. Yeah, just there. We, we, I suppose we had our own bit of a small lockdown there in January, just with the whole COVID situation and everything. But back up and going again, thank God. And uh, every January, I suppose, it's, we said myself and my dad took over the hotel in January 2003. I was only young for the then, Tommy. I'm mm. even younger than you are now. Was, uh, yeah, so 19 years ago now. Yeah, so uh, it's great. Uh, it's flowing by. It's always nice to mark us. We always get a lovely well well wishes each year. And as I said, it's always a great time for me to be able to thank the fantastic staff and team I've had over the years and the support I've had from the locality and guests and customers all around. Yeah, so. And sure, of course, you know, yeah, we, we have some great events to look forward to in the town over the next couple of months, which is fantastic as well. So a lot more positive than we were probably this time last year, Carl. Absolutely. I, I honestly think, I think it's going to be a great year ahead. Tommy, I think people are only buzzing to, to catch up on all those missed moments and I think you know if anything we've learned it's to, to enjoy the experiences enjoy the here and now and you know when when you know I suppose the first big one up is Paddy's Day and mm. that's going to start on a Wednesday and end maybe on the Sunday evening so uh, well, we'll make the most of that have yeah. you so have we'll, you we'll booked have off there. holidays that week Carl, or are you going to be working yeah, yeah you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work something out I'll work something out I'll, uh, but uh, looking forward you know and as uh, you can I suppose again in the position I'm in the hotel I'm lucky I can see when people are booking to come back home and you can see it already that uh, people are they're getting the extra few days off work that weekend and they're jumping at the chance to come down and stay at home like I mean put it this way tell me even where we booked out for Jim Shadraja and if I had another 20, 30, 40 rooms I'd have filled them at this stage for Jim so that just gives you an idea of that uh, mm. the want that's out there for people to come back come yeah. back and visit home you mm. know and it's great mm. and it's great and hopefully we'll be here all year long to capture their stories Tommy and and hook up with them and uh, exactly and of course as we do say every week on the podcast if you do have a story to tell and you want to be part of it then we'd love to hear from you particularly uh, in the next couple of weeks as we come back for uh, season two of the podcast so if you are out there you can get in touch at swinfordchats at gmail.com um, or just contact myself or call and we'd be delighted to hear from you and of course that brings us this week we have a fantastic guest this week that's right. Uh, we're, we're really delighted to be jo- uh, joined by uh, Fiona Murphy. Yeah, I suppose Fiona has a strong Balahi Charleston uh, ancestry, but uh, has a beautiful Swinford story that uh, she shares with her dad and one of the Swinford institutions. And I'm sure uh, a bit more is called, but you know, and uh, everybody familiar with the podcast will be familiar with Moore's Pub and, of course, the supermarket now. Wonderful family business here in mm-hmm. Swinford. And we're delighted to share. This story, it's a really beautiful story, I'm sure it will resonate with all our listeners, both Swinford and abroad. We're actually absolutely delighted to welcome to this week's uh, Swinford Chats podcast, Fiona Murphy, joining us all the way from Chicago. Fiona's story recently went viral, both nationally and internationally last month, I'm sure. A lot of you heard of it, a big story she has with a connection with Swinford through her father. Uh, Fiona, you're very welcome to the podcast. 
Well, thank you. And let me start off by saying congratulations for for being back. I I think you haven't been on since November. So it's a great sign of the times that you're up and at them again. It's it's, uh, wonderful to have you back on on air. Thanks. Very much, Fiona. Yeah, we're we're both delighted to be back and uh, and have a great year planned out ahead of us. So we're delighted to have you on this week's uh, show because I suppose the story you shared uh, on Twitter originally, Fiona, really resonated with people, and uh, it was about a, a big connection uh, you have with Swinford through your dad. You might tell us about that story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I, I kind of I laugh at this because I didn't have any intention for it to go so viral. Had I known that, I probably would have done a better job writing the post. But uh, I was back home for Christmas and uh, pretty much, you know, my father was born in Charlestown and wrote a play called The Country Boy many, many years ago about emigration. And he passed away in 1998. And when I was growing up, he and I would go back to Charlestown every year. And uh, the one thing he always insisted upon was that we stop in Swinford and go into Moore's pub at the uh, top of the town. And I know at some point he told me why, but when you're young, you're very busy thinking about yourself and you kind of think these stories that you, you hear from your parents, I don't know, there'll be time to hear them again. And um, so I, it kind of went in, in one ear out the other ear. And one thing I did know is even when we'd go back and he kind of wanted to stay ducked down under the radar because he didn't have time to see everybody, we'd always, even if we had to drive halfway across the country to do it, we'd always go into Moore's Pub. And after he passed away, it was one of many things that in, you know, when when trauma happens, no matter how it happens, we've got these amazing brains that kind of shift everything around a bit to keep us up off of our knees and and just moving forward. And one of the things that happens, I think, often is things that are painful, uh, someone you love that you miss, uh, you you have this kind of paintbrush that goes through your head and tries to kind of take the paint, take the, some of the memories away so that you aren't constantly just missing them desperately but it's kind of a wide brush and it catches other things on the margins and so you lose a a lot of the other memories you had as well they're in there somewhere but you can't access them so every single time every year since that I have driven by Moors I've wondered how on earth you know did did I forget what must have clearly been so important to him and it kind of became a bit of shame for me because he never forgot anything I ever did. And here was this, this one very important part of his life. And I had no idea, you know, why. And finally this year, I was actually staying there at your hotel at the gateway. And uh, I was just a, a day away from leaving town at the end of December. And one afternoon, just as I was about to walk into the hotel, I just cast a glance up at the top of the town, I saw the pub standing there. And for whatever moved me, after all these years, I finally thought, by God, I'm, I'm just going to go in and see if anybody knows knows why this was so important to him. So I walked in the door and the young man behind the counter, clearly not much older than my my teenage son. Uh, I knew he wouldn't know, but I asked anyway, do you, do you have any idea like John Murphy might have come in here and he didn't so I kind of thought all right, all right and walked out and was about to head back down to the hotel and I just said ah, I'll, I'll walk across the street and run into Campbell's and maybe someone there knew and I walked in and I said you know this is gonna sound crazy but my father used to always go into Moors do you have any idea why he 
why he might have done that. And the gentleman said, well, you know, it probably has something, maybe has something to do with they might have known each other back in London and the building sites. And he didn't even get the rest of the sentence out. And I was in tears because that's all it took. It was almost like a, a door in my mind had been opened and the box with the memory of that had come out. And I didn't even need the rest of the story. It was like I had my father next to me telling me I could hear I could hear my father's voice standing there telling me the story over again. And it was that when he was young, he had had to leave school very early um, when he was a teenager. <clears throat> they were really living through some very, very hard times. My grandfather had been a big egg distributor, but had died when my father was four and my father was an only child. Uh, born in 1924. So this would have um, um, been at a time where, you know, women couldn't take over a business. So he, my father as a teenager was really all his mother had for any kind of support. And so he eventually had to leave school and go over to London to work in the construction sites. But he had just recently recovered from several years of having polio and was incredibly sick. I mean, coughing up blood and so weak all of the time and what Tommy Moore did or Patty Moore did was he he protected my father he would hide my father this child who was so sick and and couldn't dig or do what was expected he'd hide him and when the when the foreman would come around or the boss would come around and say you know, who, who all's here, who's missing. He'd say, oh, well, I sent young John Murphy off around the street, you know, to get us tea or sandwiches or whatever. And, you know, meanwhile, my father would be hiding behind, I don't know, a building or bushes or whatever. But he, he allowed my father to continue to get a paycheck to send home to his mother and, and saved his life in the process because that child would have worked himself into the grave there. He, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have stopped because he didn't feel well because his mother depended on it. So this man saved my father's life in this incredible kindness. And what struck me so much when it went viral on Twitter was that it speaks so much to the character of Irish small towns. There's no way that, that, Mr. Moore could have had any idea that anybody would ever know of his act of kindness, much less he'd go viral on, on something called Twitter. And yeah. of course, the, when, when it did go viral, Fiona, there was also a very special moment online. Then you might tell us about that because you got a comment from someone that I don't think you were expecting to get. I honestly, I wish I, I wish I had some kind of video of myself at the moment. I nearly dropped to the ground and I, I just, I, I started crying. So all of a sudden in this Twitter thread, there was a comment from uh, Kieran Moore, Mr. Moore's son, who said he read it and it brought him to tears. I, I'm getting emotional again. Tears will come again um, because he was so proud of his father uh, in that moment. And it made me realize that we are, all so connected, emigration or not. And, and, and that continued not only throughout the thread, but in so many of the um, private messages that I then received. I can't tell you how many um, children, adult children living all over the world, I now know um, 
quite well in the last month. Um, I knew their parents when I was growing up. They were my father's best friends growing up, running around. And I didn't really know many of them. Oh, now I do. (laughs) Because they reached out and suddenly there's this beautiful tapestry where we are all telling one another stories. There's a gentleman who's living in in Longford and he had reached out by private message and um, I recognized his last name and I said, you know, oh, do you know this, this, this person? I think they might be cousins. And he said, actually, he goes, I don't even know that side of the family. Um, And then he messaged me the next day and said, I've just come back from my mother's house. And I told her about this and she knew your father well and said the day that she was um, getting ready for her um, wedding, the sewing machine broke and someone sent down and got your father and your father came over and fixed the sewing machine so they could fix the wedding dress. And he was, he's like, I'm just stunned. I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't know any of this side. And suddenly I'm talking to somebody in Chicago whose father fixed my mother's wedding dress. And it is, uh, you know, I think we're all very busy looking at you know, taking pictures of the last meal we had or a pretty sight. There are so many of these stories that connect us to people we've lost. And I think we, a lot of us, I at least assumed that I'd really lost all of those. And now I have become aware through all this that all of these people are carrying around these little puzzle pieces of my life in their pockets and they might not even know it. And I have some of theirs. And these connections are making us all kind of pile them up on a table and sort them out into this picture. And we're getting parts of our life and our parents and our past back to us. And uh, I think it more than anything, it it really highlights for me that the small towns in Ireland are Ireland's greatest asset. Unlike any other country, nobody really does the personal connection, connecting mm. people and their stories together and the past together like the Irish do. And I think it, you know, those of us who are now coming up as the younger generation that are now, you know, the middle-aged generation, it behooves us to really start putting the time into what we need to do to strengthen our small towns in Ireland, to help them thrive, to help them keep their own children working there, living there and raising families there because they're invaluable. They're absolutely invaluable. Oh, Fiona, it's, uh, it, it, it's hard to follow that. Absolutely beautifully put. And uh, I think Tommy would agree with me. It's funny when we started the podcast first back in November 19, we kind of thought it'd be a source of the local news, the community news. And it quickly developed into a storytelling platform. And that's what really resonated with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Loved hearing the stories, and I thought when you put it there, like the, it's uh, it's up to us to create this tapestry of our past stories to connect mm-hmm. to what what our future will be, and uh, it really, really beautifully put. And because I know we don't, I think we don't agree. Twitter can be a bit of a cesspit at the best of times, but when that when that tweet went up, it was it, I, I what really I loved seeing people's reaction to it, Fiona. You know, it mm-hmm. really people yeah. just. People really, as you said, from all over the world, who may never heard of Swinford or Charlestown or Mayo or, or whatever, yeah. but the, it was the split the story of one of their own, one man looking after one of his own and making yeah. a survival. It, it's the it's the character of of the Irish small town, but I think it also 
it also really represents that one of the reasons I think a lot of people gravitated towards us towards that is because most of us most of us have these moments in the past that we have these moments where we we wish we had just sat down with a cup of tea and asked questions of someone who's no longer with us and listened more intently to their stories and and found out more and it it showed people wait a second it's not too late guess what there is that we can have this whole new chapter where if we simply find a way to one another and share these stories, there's so much we can be given back uh, for people we lost. And, you know, I, I look at how far people go. I know here, here in the States, how far people go to just try to connect with anybody in general. And in Ireland, in a town like Swinford, uh, that that connection is immediate. All, all they have to do is show up. If someone, you know, if someone landed you know, at, at knock and made their way to Swinford or Charlestown and they walked into the gateway and they didn't know anyone. They had no idea what they're going to do the next day. They have nothing to worry about. They oh. can simply walk in, pull up a chair. And I, I can absolutely guarantee you they're going to, they're going to arrive as a friend, but they'll leave a few days later as family. Absolutely. It is a sanctuary. I always say, ha- when I overdo it mm-hmm. the weekends and have a few pints, there's plenty of people that are able to tell me what I, <laughs> what yeah. I do. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and it's, and it's, it's also a, a big part of why I know I was going absolutely mad with what the hospitality industry has had to, had to go through this, you know, these last two years, because that is, um, you know, the pub culture and the hospitality culture aren't like it is over here where you just pick a random spot and you you see who has the best price on a basket of chicken wings and you know you go to see a game and then you leave that it has a whole different intimacy to it there and it serves as a mental health resource because you you take a widower who lives a couple miles outside anybody who's having a difficult time and you know, the, there's a great researcher here, Dr. Brown, who she says, you know, the most important words in times of struggle are me too. None of us can solve anybody else's problems. But if you have someone sitting next to you that you kind of recognize yourself in and they're going through the same thing that you are, that is an immediate um, bomb, you know, uh, as in as in a salve, like something that makes makes it better to know you're not alone in this. And that's what happens whenever we can get people in into town and into a building and just sitting and having a chat. It's that simple. We're looking for very expensive upper level solutions to what is a very primal human basic need. We simply need to get people together connecting and having a chat and that right there is the start of answering a lot of our problems really absolutely and i think both myself and tommy in our respective careers are very lucky that we get to interact interact and meet people and and hear their stories and share their stories well you know i I have a secret too i'll tell you that that this is is not really known yet that came out of this whole incident and a a lot of people might not uh, you know my my father's play was was it they in the Abbey in 1959, and it's still running in different places all over the world. And Swinford's done it, and all that. It's wonderful. And there might, I think, there are gen, uh, you know, there are probably a few generations who may have never heard of it. But one thing he was always asked was, you know, after it became such a success, was, well, God, John, you know, why didn't you write another one? And he kind of, you know, 
I always just said, well, you know, that was the muse was there. And so I wrote that one. And then, you know, he moved to California and, and he was working out there. So when I came back, uh, aside from not being able to go into Moore's pub for so long, because I had this traumatic kind of uh, pain to it. I also had one bag of his, like an old leather doctor's bag that had a bunch of his old papers. And I, he always used to keep it in the back corner of his closet. And I never all these years could bring myself to open it and go through it. He, he was my best friend. So I just had a very, very strong attachment to it. So his loss was a big thing for me. So I kept this bag in my office here at home in kind of a place of honor. But, you know, I know it sounds mad, it, but it was such an emotional thing. I couldn't open it. Well, I came back and I opened it. And I, I spent two weeks spreading everything out onto the kitchen table. Not only uh, did I find, you know, telegrams and all this correspondence and old photos of all of these people. And I've, I've been, you know, taking pictures of them and emailing them and sending them to people who are amazed at being these bits of their parents' lives back. But I found something really incredible in there. I found a complete second play. So after the country boy, he actually did write a second play. It's, and this is, you know, an amazing coincidence. It is all about the experience of being an immigrant working in London, being Irish and working in, in London during that time. And also in the bag, there was a lot of correspondence with um, Ernest Blythe at the Abbey Theater and um, kind of explained why Ernest Blythe said, you know, not sure if there's a time, you know, there's time right now to, to do a second one. I haven't read it, but maybe one day make sure you, you know, let me know about it. And he never did. My father just put it in the bag and that was it. So uh, as soon as my cousin Jerry Murray heard about that, he was on the phone. And said, all right, then. So there's a second play. What are we going to do with it? So uh, going forward, there will, at in some how, some shape, some form, there will be a sequel to The Country Boy. Fantastic. That's, that's, that's fantastic news. Uh, I'm sure Charlestown would probably like a premiere, but we would like one in Swinford too, Fiona. So... Uh, <laughs> Believe me, you'll 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 absolutely all get us. First thing I said to Jerry was, uh, um, "Whatever comes of this, the one thing I know is that what my father would have wanted was for it to go towards putting a spotlight on Swinford and Charlestown, um, getting getting people to know their names all across, you know, in America, everywhere. So whether we live stream it, whatever we do." We're going to have the whole focus be to let people know that Charlestown and Swinford are there and they're amazing places to go. That's brilliant, Fiona, because I know you agree with me when I say that uh, we have a brand here, not only in Mayo, but in East Mayo, a brand mm -hmm. that's priceless, you know, and, and, and as someone who's traveled the world, I know you you believe that about this special area. We 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 hundred percent we come from here and and then we, we only plan with pleasure over the next few years as we rebuild everything rebuild it in its greatest strength absolutely i think that the best days of swinford and charlestown are are just ahead of them actually i have i have tremendous faith that um we are going to be looking at an area that is the place people choose to go to retire to vacation there is uh, nothing else like 
theory in the world. It's, it's why of any place I could go every single year, it's the same place I go back to Absolutely. because it, it can't be reproduced. And I know we're talking about places there, but obviously we've mentioned that it's the people that make the make the area as well. And we look at all the people mm-hmm. who have, have done so much for the year. But even going back to your father and, and the playwright making it to Hollywood, the successful uh, careers of people from the area as well. But that must have been fascinating for your father to, to make it to Hollywood. It was. It's just he didn't leave behind uh, his his Mayo sensibilities. So he was a very Mayo man in the middle of all these film studio sets where you had an I mean, a lot of ridiculous behavior that, you know, very few things ever bothered my father. But it's so funny that his list of nemeses was very entertaining because if he ever had to work on a movie with um like he's not a fan of Bruce Willis. Wouldn't want to mention Bruce Willis to my father. He worked with him on the diehard set at 20th Century Fox. And it was always for my father, the very same thing. He, he did not like the way that some of the actors spoke to those around them. His big thing was always, you know, you, you are kind to everyone. Absolutely everyone. You never know who's going to be there for you in the end. It's rarely who you expect but you must be kind to absolutely everyone equally. And that is um, not something you always see there. And it was something he could never stomach. So um, he was still the Mayo man, even when he was in the middle of Hollywood. That's great. I think actually when we meant talk about Charleston as well, it would be a nice time to mention, wish all of them in Charleston the best luck this weekend with our second uh, run in, in memory of the great Colin Horkin. Absolutely. Uh, I know it's a fantastic community. And I know the, it's a beautiful plan they have there for the garden for column and this is their second year so I, I think there'll be people mm-hmm. from all over Charlotte Sounds Winford and all over the world taking part in the in the virtual run so uh, I just think I, I just thought now would be a nice time to mention to wish them all the best of luck with that over over in Charlotte Sound this weekend. Well, I think Absolutely. we I, I think we've learned a lot this evening from Fiona. Uh, there's lots to come from this. It's a story, I think, that is still developing in some ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, we very much look forward to to what will come out of it as well. Well, and thank you both for everything you're doing, because I can't tell you how much it means to me to be able to sit here in Chicago and, you know, pop up Spotify. And I have this list where I can hear your voices and feel like I'm over there. So it's a fantastic bridge that you're both building um, of these stories that, that crosses the pond over to me here in Chicago. So thank you. Well, I think the next time you're home, the pubs will be open and we'll, we'll, we'll get that point. Absolutely. It'll be a whiskey for me, but I'll see you there. I was going to say, <laughs> Carl, that I was going to say, Carl, that we'll go over to Chicago for a pint as well. But look, oh, absolutely. I, I, can, I can pour a pint here. <laughs> the door's always open for both of you. Great. So, Fiona, thanks again for, for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Sounds good. Bye, Jim. And that brings us to the end now of another uh, podcast here of Swinford Chats. A fascinating story there from Fiona. Really enjoyed that, Carl. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I'm sure as we've seen, Tommy, with the, the series one of the podcast, uh, our listeners really do love hearing hearing these stories. And we have, we've on my seventy seven. I've got messages from people after podcasts from all over the world, just with a certain element of the story that might have just touched the memory in their house, mm. a memory of a story their parents or grandparents uh, shared with them. You know, and that's that's why we're here. You know, as I said, as I said in our chat, if you wanna. We probably thought we were starting off as a kind of community notice sport, but very quickly it kind of developed into something much more mm. uh, bigger and better than that, you know. And, and as I said, that's why we both enjoy doing this every week. 
for sure. And uh, I did mention in the beginning to get in touch with us. We always want to hear from you. Uh, probably the phone isn't probably the best way to do it, Carl. I'd say that WhatsApp phone. I was no, I was just laughing when you were saying that in the intro, Tommy, because yeah, I said I must. I'm looking over the kitchen here and I've seen the phone. Uh, nearly afraid to turn charges and turn it on because there might be uh, a lot of messages. So leave that with me for the next week or two. And uh, if anybody has been WhatsApping us, I uh, apologise for it. You wouldn't have got the two blue, the two blue dots or ticks or whatever you call it on it. But uh, we get on top of that because I know it is a good medium for people to get in touch with us. Yeah, but no, but it's, it's good to be back, Tommy. And, you know, as we look forward to the year ahead because as we were chatting when, when we were getting ready for today, we're both saying how much is happening in, in the locality for in sure. the year edge and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, for sure. There's there's lots to come and, and, and lots to do in our area and it'll be great to see, you know, family, friends and people come back uh, to the area to, to kind of celebrate uh, the easing of restrictions and getting back to some sort of normality. So it's going to be fantastic. And of course, Paddy's Day is something to look forward to very much. So Exactly. And, you know, we'd encourage anyone to, to support any of the, as the club and organisations get active again, in their own fundraising, whether it be a table quiz or events or meetings or matches, whatever it is, be you know, you can't beat at the end of the day, uh, showing a bit of support and seeing the people at it, it makes it all worthwhile for those involved in it. And as you said, Tommy, Paddy's Day is coming up. I know the Wood Turners Conference is back. Paddy's Day is going to be the, the, the four or five day event. Easter falls nicely, then it is about four weeks later. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Swim for Tally Towns usually do their Easter uh, bunny hunt around then, and then we have the whole MA. May is going to be built around the Mayo.ie. Home to Mayo. Home to Mayo. And then I suppose, and Sheemshire then, is in, as I mentioned already, Sheemshire is in the horizon and Sheemshire this year is just going to be unbelievable. And uh, Swim for the Agricultural Show, we're back meeting in the hotel last week, getting ready for the show at the end of August. And Kyoto's yes. are meeting, getting ready for their festival in October, you know, so. Have you actually, you know, at the Swinford Agricultural Show, there is a competition for like the best grown vegetables, um, things like that. You Would you consider, I, I, I'll you need to, to start now, Carl. That's it. I'd have to start now. <laughs> definitely have to start now, you know, because then it'll give me time to get into the supermarket just before it and, and buy a decent one, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the banana see, bread. That they do the bacon as well, so. You see yourself from your own involvement, Tommy, and I see it from uh, the because a lot of the meetings take place in the hotel all this work has taken place already and it's all for events mm. people might say that's well down the road but the, the organization that goes into these things is unbelievable ah yeah look you know things don't just happen they take time people efforts and uh, people need to be commended for that so fair play to anyone who is organizing anything and particularly now you know it, it was hard enough before COVID to organise something, but taking that into consideration, it's even harder now. So fair play to everyone that's, that's taking that um, taking that on board. And we're delighted as well, Tommy, this week to welcome the youth section of the Swilford Clotus back to the hotel this Sunday at three o'clock for a, for a traditional Irish music session. And I think we're going to play play uh, some music from some of the... Um, Members yeah. of the, the Swimford Clothes Youth. That's right, Carl. We're going to feature a track from the Woods Brothers uh, from Melik. Uh, they'll be uh, taking part, I'm sure, in the session this Sunday. Uh, two fantastic brothers and uh, well worth listening to. So here they are playing a couple of jigs. 